I'd like to tell you the story of how I saved my city. Hopefully, that's what I will say to my grandchildren after living a long and happy life and not dying from not saving my city. I consider myself somewhat of a hero, and I, I, I put that little, like, disclaimer of I consider myself because most people don't particularly consider me a hero yet, but, um, that's fine. I call myself Lucky Charm because I wish I was luckier, but sometimes I actually am. Welcome to Quest Friends. Today we're going to be playing Anyone Can Wear the Mask by Jeff Stormer. Anyone Can Wear the Mask is a new storytelling game about a hero, a villain, and their city. Yeah, so before we get started and kind of talk about what the game is, we should probably like introduce our voices so you're not spending too long wondering who are these people. So my name is Kyle Decker, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be playing the city today. My name is Tom, my pronouns are also he, him, and I will be playing the villain, whose pronouns are yet to be determined. I'm Emily, my pronouns are she, her, and I will be playing the hero, whose pronouns are probably he, him, but also yet to be determined. Yeah, so there's a lot that's yet to be determined, because anyone can wear the mask is a three-player GM-less storytelling game. It's, it's very different than what we've played on here before, where instead of me spending hours and hours planning, this is a game with no planning, no prep, no GM, and just a handful of D6s and a deck of cards. All right, so with that, are we ready to get started? Yeah. So the first part of this game, which is a big part of a lot of Jeff's games, which is part of the reason I like them so much, is that we're actually going to come up with our characters right now. We're supposed to start with the city. Now, the city is going to be populated with NPCs, people that Emily's character saves, and just good folks who are going to be put in a lot of danger. Building the city, I have to determine a few things. I have to determine the name, I have to determine the size, and I have to determine the four major sections. So we could have a small town, a bustling borough, major metropolis, the whole wide world, or to infinity and beyond. I was really tempted to make it like a pizza, just a small store, <laughs> a single, a single shopping mall. Actually, no, no, this is, this is, this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a mall city. This is mall town. Oh no. So when malls were first introduced, one of the ideas behind them was that they would be small cities within their own right. And for most places, this never took off. With the exception of Mall Town. Mall Town is not just a, a commercial district. It actually has like buildings and homes and people who work there. And there's no like apocalypse or anything keeping them from going outside. They just choose to live in a mall town. So this is an important question. Is it like an American mall in that it's like a building, but with like big skylights in the hallways and then room buildings moving off of the central areas? Or is it like a Japanese covered mall or an underground mall? Like what, what type of mall are we looking at for this mall town? So I was thinking like an American mall where it's got a uh, Salt Lake City's mall is a good example. It's got like a nice outdoor section. 
it's a mix between like a mall and a university campus. Okay, okay. So like fancy open air bits in addition to like the corridors of shops. Absolutely. It does have a very, very big like underground parking lot though. Like any place a building is, there's an (laughs) underground parking lot. And in fact, of my four locations, the one that is going to be spades, because we have to have one location per Sudas cards, spades is going to be lot C. Lot C? Lot C. <laughs> lot C is full of a lot of people just trying to make their way. In Mall Town, you still have things like homelessness. A lot of folks kind of live in Lot C if they don't have another place to live. It's just a nice little community. Next one is going to be hearts. And hearts, you got to do the food district, the food court. The food court is set up to be like an actual regal court. This is not a friendly place for people. This is where like the elites of the city live in the food court. People can still go to the food court for food, of course, but that's where they get really nickeled and dimed. That's where a lot of their money gets taken. And the people who live behind the big, opulent, gridded barriers of each of the restaurants are are the kings and queens of this area. This is incredible. Okay, the next one is the, uh, what's the luck symbol? Leaf symbol. Clubs? Clubs. Have you ever played cards before, Kyle? In your life? I have. I haven't played them in a long time. The next one is clubs. And I'm not just going to make the clubs the clubs, even though I really want to make the clubs the clubs. The clubs is the school district. Now, I don't want to put any actual, like, children in danger. Don't make me... Fail to save children. Kyle, don't make me fail to save children, please. Anyways, because of that. So, Spider-Man, choose. (laughs) Who will you save? Because of that, this is going to be uh, a college. This is the university is going to be the the club area. How does it tie into the mall theme? Like, is it the local Sears? Is it the GameStop? Is it the Payless shoe store? I can just keep saying brands. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the Forever 21. (laughs) Is it across from the Hot Topic? Yes, it is across from the Hot Topic. But the Hot Topic, that's really populated by the teens. And as I said, I'm not going to put anyone who's not a legal adult in danger today. So we're going to focus on the Forever 21, which will just from this point on be called the Make It to 21. (laughs) Oh, oh no. It's a store all about really achieving your life dreams in Mole Town and making it to 21. So not make it to 21. We're going to make it at 21. At 21, you're going to make it, kid. Now that's thinking with your capitalism. <laughs> and then finally, we have diamonds. We need a middle class district. We've got a low income area and we've got the elite district. OK, diamonds. Yeah, no, I like that. Diamonds is just that's the part that looks like a regular mall, including the fact that a lot of malls today are kind of they're not in their heyday anymore. And the Diamond <laughs> District isn't either. There are some small shops. It's usually like a chain that's died out everywhere else. You have like a blockbuster there because it was owned by a single guy. It was a franchise blockbuster. So that's going to be what the Diamond District is. And it actually is going to be called the Diamond District. Because I remember when I lived in a place, it was called like Yacht Club Apartments and they were shitty, mediocre apartments, but they were called Yacht Club to make them seem really opulent and fancy. And at some point, the Diamond District probably was, but not anymore. Now it's just a regular part of Mall Town. So that's Mall Town, an indoor, outdoor mall. We have Lotsey, we have the food court, 
we have Make It at 21, and then we have The Diamond District. All right. Next part we have to come up with is who is the hero of Mole Town? They can't be Paul Blart. That's my only criteria. <laughs> I don't know anything about Paul Blart other than he's a mall cop. That's all and anyone so, knows about Paul Blart. Okay, because you need to stop me if I accidentally make Paul Blart, <laughs> but I hope I don't. If you don't make a sad, angry man on a Segway, you'll be fine. No, but I I feel like he's definitely a sad man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who is who is your hero? Who's the hero of Malltown? Mm, the hero of Malltown grew up in Malltown, went into Make It at 21, grew out of Make It at 21, and did not make it at 21. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like he may be somewhat beloved, but not actually considered much of a hero. Like, he's just kind of around and everybody knows him because he never left. How powerful is your hero? Friendly neighborhood hero. Okay, friendly neighborhood. Friendly halberhood. I don't know. Friendly you tried. Neighborhood. Wait, why would you say halberhood and not malberhood? <laughs> So then where 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 do your heroes' powers come from? And what are they, out of curiosity? Asks the villain. Yeah, for no particular reason. Luck. Luck. Miraculous. Simply the best. So he's just His very lucky. His name is Adrian, and he's very lucky. <laughs> yes. His name is Adrian. His superpower is luck. Do we know how he got these powers? Who knows? Who knows? He considers it, like, enough well wishes from his grandmother imbued oh. him with luck i love it now the final question is how will you help your city you have four options you have clubs you'll be the hand of the people protecting them so they can thrive you can be diamonds you'll be the icon that they look up to for inspiration you can be hearts you'll be a, the smiling face a friend to those who need it or you can be spades you'll be the dark knight that avenges the injustice they suffer well, considering he's lucky from Grandma's blessings, I think I'm going to go with heart. You're going to go with heart? Yeah. Sounds good. And I'm actually going to switch around hearts and spades because I have hearts as the food court and spades as lot C. And it feels more appropriate to make spades the food court and hearts lot C. Yeah, especially since Batman absolutely would be most at home in the fucking bougie food court <laughs> as Bruce Wayne. Okay, so now that we know about Adrian, who is a hearts boy, loves his friends in Lotsi, and he's very, very lucky. What is Sometimes. his superhero name? Miraculous Ladybug. No, you're not. <laughs> I've got Lucky Charm. I was just going to say Lucky Charm, because yeah. I feel like that's what he considers himself, or he wants to consider himself. I love it. He's not necessarily that, but that's okay. Anyways, you know how... Spider-Man begins and ends with a monologue. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that, but we needed to know who this guy was. He has a beanie. <laughs> I thank you for this. <laughs> okay, he has a beanie. Wait, wait for me to be like, oh, I'll just cut this out. And then the beanie becomes very, very important to the plot. Yeah, why would you cut something as critical as he has a beanie? What kind of editing style is that, Kyle? <laughs> and then finally, in the background, we have a villain that lurks and waits for their moment to strike. <laughs> it's probably fine. Okay, so now that we have a city 
and we have a hero. Let's start the game. So to start the game, I'm going to pull a card from the top of this deck and we're going to do what it says. So I've pulled a three of spades, which means we are going to go somewhere in imminent danger. And this imminent danger uses the suite from the card, correct? For which place we go to? Yeah. So yeah, as Tom said, this controls where we are and what's going on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe the place. I'm going to describe some people there. We might ask what Emily's up to. And then Tom is going to do some threatening stuff for us. So with the three of spades, we are in the food court. But we're not in the fancy galas of the food court, not in the fancy backroom halls. We're in the part where everybody comes to eat. There are various people meeting up, making friends, just trying to live life in Mole Town. We're going to focus on one young lady. So uh, she, her pronouns. And she is there just angrily trying to swipe her card at one of the checkout areas. They have automated checkouts and she just swipes, declined, swipes, declined, swipes. You have no money, ma'am. As the voice keeps getting more and more polite and she eventually is like, yeah, and just angrily walks off with a huff, leaving her food just sitting there where it was going to get checked out. And that's what you see, Adrian, as you're just living your life. Um, pardon me, ma'am. Oh, great. So they got voices to follow us and remind us of our debts now. That's just fantastic. Uh, no, it's just me, a normal person. Oh, a normal person. That's what they want you to think. And this woman with <laughs> large curly hair turns around with you and just points a finger basically right. She's like booping your nose. <laughs> she might even just like accidentally whack it a little bit. No. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I just I didn't want to like go in there and like pay for your food if you didn't want me to, because I thought that would be weird. But if you need a little cash, I actually do have some and I can. You'll pay for my food. Yeah, just this once. I mean, I don't have that much, but like, I'll buy you that. Fantastic. And suddenly she pulls just three trays out of nowhere and lifts them up and starts walking towards the checkout area. Wait, I thought that it was just the one tray at the checkout. She she doesn't hear you. She's just like, thank you again. I really appreciate your help. Oh, and she lifts the trays, puts them all on one hand, uh, extends the other one out to you and says, my name is Trucy. Nice to meet you, Trucy. I'm just praying I had enough, I have enough money because I would really like to pay for all this food that I came into this situation knowing I was going to buy. Not hearing your words at all. She just goes, please call me Truce. Great, Truce. And so if you don't mind me stepping into this scene. Oh, this is where I was going to invite you to step Oh, in. no, I mind. You return to the checkout area. You go up and... How do you attempt to pay, Adrian? Adrian is attempting to pay with cash and a lot of spare change. So you you try to push the bills in, like smooth out the creases as best you can, squeeze them in, pouring the change into the slot for the change, and then it slowly back out. Declined. You try to put it back in again. Did I? Fucking stutter. Your money is no good here. I said declined. And then at that moment, mechanical arms surge forth from either side of the uh, automated checkout. Legs burst from beneath it and it rips itself up from the counter. And one arm grabs for you, the other for truce. And the automated voice just says, we hope you're having a wonderful day here at the food court. Ah!
and since Adrian is not familiar with this part of the city at all, this is very out of his element. You only get to roll once d6. Which means I only get to roll one d6 for you. (laughs) I've rolled a one. You stop the threat, but despite your best efforts, you can't save everyone. Lose someone. How do you eventually manage to scrape by and stop the threat? Who can't you save? (laughs) Why are we playing this game? This is the first thing to happen. This is the first roll. I love truce. Love the truce. I get to choose who to die. Well, you can't get yourself killed. I'm playing as truce for the rest of the game. Look, I understand what needs to happen. I just don't want it to. Okay, so the questions are, how do I scrape by and what happens? Or do you describe what happens? No, no, you get to describe all of what happens now from this point on. So I have to make up how truce my beloved child dies. I mean, she doesn't have to die. You just lose someone. That's the key thing here. Okay, okay. I can I can make this work. Okay. Um, do they usually do this in this area? Because they don't do it in the rest of Mall Town. Uh, usually they hire someone to come break your knees in. <laughs> I'm sorry, break my knees in? Uh, I mean, if you're lucky. <laughs> Adrian has been struggling and flailing, and at the idea that the merciful thing that happens to you here is they break your knees in, he will struggle harder. And somehow he gets one of his arms out, and it's sort of stuck behind his back, And he gets it right in, like, the little chink between two panels or something and pulls something off just completely by luck. It allows himself to get his other hand free. And by chance, his arm flails back and knocks a cup of soda onto the little exposed inside area in this machine. And it sparks and fizzles and dies. No, no, not yet. It it was so soon. I had only just begun my... I failed you. It was not too soon. It was not soon enough. (coughs) Um, But the one thing he realizes is that the drink that he had tipped was the drink that Truce had poured for herself and he looks around him to see the three trays face down her food scattered across the floor of the food court and he looks down and then looks up into her eyes and doesn't know what to say so in this scene what you're saying is that adrian loses truce by being so uncomfortable with this encounter that he never speaks to her again i mean Sure, he just, he doesn't know what to say, and his coins and money is everywhere. He can't go pick it all up to pay for new food, so he just stands there and waits for her to do something. And she doesn't respond, 
But her thoughts echo throughout the city as other people start walking up and start yelling things like, Oh, what the hell happened to this machine? I can't buy any of my food now. Now I don't have any money and I don't have any food. I find another way to screw you each week. And the three of spades will not be discarded, but it will be outside of your reach. This is the tragic problem of truly random games. Just like, wow, what an incredible character. Goodbye forever. Turn one. All right. It's a few days later, and I pulled the seven of spades. So you're back in the food court. A guy's gotta eat after all. Did you shuffle this fucking deck? I did. I shuffled it many times. If I pull another spades, I'll shuffle again. You're back in the food court. A guy's gotta eat after all. Though... I'd imagine you're a lot less excited this time. Adrian's so upset to be here. Everyone's kind of giving you the side eye. No one is really happy to have you around. I mean, it's recent enough that people are like, oh, this is the guy who destroyed the paying stations. So now they only have like one pay station and it's really clogged up. So you've been standing in line for a while when suddenly you just get a little bump on your back from somebody. Which, that's not surprising. Many people have been bumping into you. But it's followed by something that is strange after last incident, which is, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, totally me. I was here, and that was clearly in the way. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Sometimes I just, uh, I, I struggle seeing. Uh, I can only get a prescription for reading. And you turn around and you see this small person. Their pronouns are they, them, with giant glasses holding a book that they've been doodling in. Is this just me? And as you turn around, they're like, uh, oh, okay. And they go back and they start doodling in their book again. But you can see next to one of their drawings, they've tried writing their names in various fancy ways. So this is how Adrian met Ignatz. <laughs> Ignatz. Don't make me lose Ignatz too. <laughs> um... So we're out. We're out among the tables, right? Yeah. Everyone's in line to pay for the food. Oh, yeah. All right. Out in line. All of a sudden, Ignatz is just shoved over onto the ground. Ah! You see a short girl, she, her pronouns, with this slick, shoulder-length white hair, who's wearing what looks like, if you didn't know any better, a supervillain outfit. This black and pink, almost jumpsuit-looking thing, and just says, Out of the way, Ignatz! You told me I would get to take your space in line this time, because I, unlike you, am not a child. I am, in fact, the Great Witch Eternal, and no one will ever stand in my way in a line ever again. Oh, oh, I, I'm sorry, Miss Eternal, but we agreed to, to last time two times ago. I don't remember that the same way, so I think no. And because our good boy Adrian does not know how to handle this situation or this place, he will only get one dice to roll again. Can he have been trying to help up Ignatz? Is he just, does he have to just stand here and leave them on the floor? Well, no, he's about to help. We're just rolling to see okay. how it goes. Do you want me to use the same die or a different die? The same die. Okay. 
Hey, that's pretty good. What do we got here? For me? Ah, so I rolled a four, which means you rise to the occasion and manage to save the day. What great moment of heroism do you achieve? Well, first of all, Adrian is going to help up Ignatz from the floor where they've been laying, probably almost getting trampled by terrible rich people who are cranky because they can't pay for their food in a timely manner because oh. of Adrian. Th- thank you. Thank you. No, I'm I'm fine. She's right. I I did deserve this. Um, just really quick, how old are these? Let's say the Witch Eternal to scale effectively with our reference is like seventeen or something. Like seventeen. Okay. In college, early. Um. <clears throat> so you know, I I respect that I don't really know your dynamics, but it does seem like maybe you didn't deserve to be pushed down. Yeah. Adrian isn't so much looking at Ignatz. He'll turn his gaze to the Witch Eternal. What? You calling me a coward? Because I don't accept people who call me a coward or a child. I was actually going to say neither of those things, but I was kind of hoping you were going to apologize for pushing down your friend, sibling, person who you know. I'm still not really sure of these dynamics. Sibling? With this nerd, they're, no, I, I don't need to be lectured by some weird guy in a food court. The Witch Eternal is never sorry for anything. I'm going to go somewhere else now. I no longer want food here in the food court. Whatever. This is, this is boring. I'm gone. And she storms off. And do you mind if I suggest how your luck gets involved for this one? Well, she didn't shank me, so I think it's fine. So Ignatz <laughs> brushes themselves off and looks at their book, which is, they're delighted is not been crinkled, but they notice there's a little, a few coins on the ground. And Ignatz picks them up and says, oh, which Eternal left her money here. I'll get some lunch and bring it back to her after this. Anyways, thanks again, sir. You help solve something that's been a problem for a while. You're like my lucky charm or something. Uh, (laughs) I like that. But it was supposed to have been truce. A few more days pass, Mr. Lucky Charm. You've saved two people. Don't get too high and mighty yet. Saved one person. I have saved one person. (laughs) The next one is going to be a jack of clubs. You're going to hang out at good old Make It at 21, the university. And the jack is somewhere peaceful. So you're at Make It at 21. You just kind of roam around from time to time. You've you've made it here. It looks like it normally does. It's a beautiful spring day, even though it's actually winter, but because it's indoors and it kind of has a greenhouse effect. Uh, but it's it's beautiful in its own way. You've got this beautiful, lush flowers of spring, while above you, you can see the snow slowly settle on the skylights above. The hero has had both a failure and a success in the last couple days. And he's been thinking about that. He's the type to really think about every little tiny failure in his life repeatedly. Like when he goes to fall asleep, he'll think about something he did as a child that embarrassed him and he can never stop thinking about it. And so he'll come to make it at 21 because he didn't make it at 21. So this is where he comes to think about what he's done. And he's just kind of thinking about it. And it is peaceful. It is relaxing. But it's also like, wow, I could have made a new friend and I did not. 
And it's funny you say that because you hear a voice behind you. It reminds you of Truce a bit in its <laughs> determination, its ferocity. There you are! Adrian will turn around, but like sort of not fully because he doesn't want to get caught looking at someone if they're not actually talking to him because that's another nightmare scenario. And as you turn around, you see this uh, woman, she, her, about, let's say, 18, wearing a school uniform, hands on her hips, marching up to you. Most notably, you can see her large blue pigtails. It's like a neon blue color. And she walks up to you and says, I have been looking all over for you. Or me? You're the person my Ignatz has been talking about, right? You look just like in their drawing. And she pulls up a piece of paper she's had, and it looks like a photorealistic drawing of you, <laughs> like one of those court sketches. Oh my god. This is so beautiful. But also we talked like very, very briefly. How did they do that? Well, cause they're talented. Ignatz got me a perfect gift for the holidays. And she whips out another piece of paper that's a drawing of her, but it's like very complimentary. <laughs> I imagine like a sketch of like someone as a macho man, like a really beefy dude, but it's just her like looking really ripped and cool. And there were artistic liberties taken. <laughs> Um, wow, this is awesome. It looks so much like you. Yeah, a little too perfect, if you ask me. Anyways, that's why I'm here. I can't find them something as good as this. And they said you were really lucky and could help me find something. Oh, God. Um, well, it was, it was, I've never actually tried, you know, helping someone with gifts because I'm not actually very good at gifts myself. But, uh, what do they like? Well... And she starts listing off a bunch of stuff. And I think we should segue to the villain section at this point. Oh, yes. Tension rising. You know, it's another peaceful day out over Mall Town. Sun shining through the skylights. You can almost feel it if you weren't in the shade. Which is where we find the Witch Eternal in her dorm room in the dark, <laughs> pouting. But there's... Something more sinister to this palette, not the usual kind. There's a note on the desk in front of her, and even without the lights on, it's pretty easy to see it. Just the words, you weren't strong enough to take what you wanted. Do you want to have that kind of power? And she moves to rip up the note, then stops, sets it down, and just slams a fist on the desk and screams, I'm not weak! <laughs> And the scream briefly echoes. You can hear it, like, briefly echo. But you can't hear any of that because you're hearing it over... You're hearing it over this blue-haired woman finishing her list and finally saying, And socks! They really like socks, and I honestly don't know why. Socks are great! I mean, it's not, like, weird to, like, socks. <laughs> it's... Mm -hmm. Socks are a good gift... Have you ever, have you ever tried knitting? Is that going to be your, your, because the next part is you saying how you give the person what they need. Oh. So do you want that to be it? Or? I was going to, yeah, I was going to give advice because like, look, I, I can't pick something out for them. One of the big things about this gift is that they put so much work and heart into it. So I think if. There's something that you do 
that you could make something for them. I think that they would really, really love that most of all. You just have to remember, it doesn't have to be perfect to be perfect for them. Well, how am I going to find anything like that? I'm not good at anything like that. And as she starts pouting again, she actually does the thing where you put your hand to your face to think. But her hands are actually full. And she takes this little adorable wood carving that's clearly homemade and just like taps it against her chin while thinking. (laughs) What is that adorable thing in your hand? Oh, this is just a moss ball, man. And she takes this little round figurine that kind of looks like a moss ball if it was a creature and says, yeah, I make them from time to time. Pretty cute, huh? They're adorable. Wait, I thought you said you didn't make anything. Well, nothing except the moss ball, man. Duh. But do you think that maybe... No, nobody likes them. You know, except for my mom and my dad and my teachers. And Ignatz, Ignatz loves them for some reason. Adrian is just, yeah, Adrian is going to take a second to just, like, wait for the dots to connect. Oh. See, Ignatz did say you were lucky. Thank you so much. I got to get started on work on this right away. I need a very, very special moss ball man thing. Good luck. It's going to be great. Yeah, th- thank you so much, sir. Uh, 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 here. Take this. And she grabs the moss ball that she was holding and she hands it to you. I I use them as kind of business cards, too. So if you ever need me, you can check the bottom for my contact info. This is the most amazing business card I've ever seen. I'm going to put it by my window. Well, okay, but it does kind of fade in the sun. So don't put it too close. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll be really careful. Uh, uh, Please say hi to Ignatz for me. Will do, Mr. Lucky Charm. Mr. Lucky Charm. Hmm. And as she walks away, you have gained a new ally. So an ally can do one of two things. If the villain rolls a one in an attempt to save somebody, you can automatically make it a four or a five. Oh. Or you can use them, sacrifice them to defeat a person oh. in power. Well, I'm not going to do that one. And as What is this ally's name? Because yeah, I don't as think she walks, I ever... And as she walks away, whistling to herself, you look down, you see her contact info, and you just see her signature, like an artist's signature, beautifully carved out in wood. Hilda. So we see the wooden figure get placed in your room. We don't see the entirety of the room right now. I'm really careful not to let the sun fade it. Yeah, we can actually see the sunbeam end right before it gets to it. So we can see the sunbeam rise and fall (laughs) for a few days. And then we end up with another day. Oh, yeah, I love this. I, I, I got an idea. Oh, no. I've got an idea, too. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have any ideas. <laughs> the Four of Diamonds. Ooh. So this is going to take place in the Diamond District. And as I said, the Diamond District is kind of like a conventional shopping mall. So you are in what used to be like a Cade Jewelers or something like that. But now it's just, again, it's like the blockbuster thing. This is not part of a chain anymore. It's just run by somebody who you don't even see around. The reminder of the gift for Ignatz reminded you that you had to get a gift for your uh, your Nana. So you're looking for a gift for your Nana, trying to find the perfect thing. And as you're looking, a shoulder lands on your shoulder. Adrian jumps and looks. 
Well, hello there, you lucky Val. What lucky, lucky gal are you looking for a wonderful gift for today? And how many carrots does she need? Five, 10, 50? And as he says that, more and more actual carrots appear in his arms. Actually- I'm just joking with you, kid. We got all kinds of diamonds here. Look at these, nothing over a single carrot. But may I say, I make these buttes shine beautiful fully. Ah, oh, great, 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 great work there, Hank. Great, great, great sell. And he oh, turns sorry. over and he starts tapping his finger angrily. And you can see his fingers tapping next to the nameplate for a man named Hank Halberhall. I, I think it was actually a really good spiel. Hank Halberhall. Actually, it's Halberhall. And wait, you got, you got, you got little Hank's name right? Well, I read it on the thing. Nobody reads on the thing. Oh, well, I it seems like the logical thing to do when you want to make sure to get someone's name right, you know. I like you, pal. I'll only rip you off a little bit. And as you go to look for the gift for your grandma, we are going to move to the villain. Now, this is a place that has the same color as hearts, so the hero will have two dice to roll. But villain, what are they rolling against? Oh, oh boy. So you've met your new friend out here getting a gift for Nana. And then you hear it, the ring from your pocket. But it's not just an ordinary phone ring. This is a special, uh, a special ring for a specific contact calling in. With horror and dread, you draw the phone from your pocket, knowing already what you will see. Calling, Dad. Seemingly against your own will, you answer. Son, are you still out there shopping? Please. <laughs> Didn't we tell you that we had a, a little get-together at the home today? Your mother was so interested in seeing you. You didn't tell me. You never tell me these things until they're halfway through, Dad. No, no, we warned you so far ahead of time. We know that you don't enjoy these sorts of things, but really. I love seeing you guys. It's just like you're never home. And then when you are, you don't tell me. We travel very often for business and... We've tried very hard to help you understand that. It's not always easy raising a child from a thousand miles away in amusement park town. It, it's, 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 it's mall town, dad. It's mall town. You know that. No, no, I mean my, my last conference was in amusement park town. Oh. The contract there. Don't you remember from our last get together? Oh, wait, you missed that one too. Didn't you? That's why I'm saying you never tell me because there's always these get-togethers and then you're like, oh, you missed the get-together. And I'm like, well, maybe if Son, you told if me you- would earn better grades in school, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now because you could have easily joined the company at a simple entry-level position for $60,000 a year. In the background, Hank has been going through engagement rings and he just quietly shuts that door <laughs> and he opens a door labeled sorry for your divorce. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to roll the two dice for you now. And we pick the higher of the numbers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So lucky you, you got a six. You push past your limits and become something greater than yourself. How do you inspire the people? Recover one injury, which you don't have, or take a point of inspiration? Look, Dad, you never tell me when you're having get-togethers. 
And I know you know that you don't tell me. You call me afterwards. You know why I know that? Why, son? Uncle Ben told me. How dare you mention his name in my presence? I'm mentioning his name because, darn it, he's like a second father to me. And you know what? That's okay. We, and he seems taken aback. We will discuss this later. When you beep. No, no, get in the last word. You're running the scene. When you call me for your next get together. No, no, I was trying to hang up first. No! Screw you, dad. And you hang up first because he's fumbling with the phone. And you turn over <laughs> and you see with tears in his eyes, Hank Halberhall. I am so sorry I got loud there at the end. No, no, that's that's what Hank needed to hear. And he puts a diamond <laughs> down, the perfect diamond, the perfect thing Nana would love. Here, this, this, this is on the house. Hank needs to call his papa. And Hank le- <laughs> runs out of the... And actually, Hank walks to the back of the store and picks up a telephone to call his dad. Adrian will write him a very brief note. Thank you so much for the offer on the ring. And take some of the carrots that Hank had tossed aside. I'm bringing my grandma these carrots for her soup. She'll love them. Ooh, ooh. And how does he sign the letter? Lucky charm. Eh. So we're going to focus on a fridge, a mini fridge. It opens up and you see so much leftover soup in the mini fridge. And we just cut as the fridge opens and closes, the light turning on as it opens up and then turning off as it closes. And every time it opens up, we have less and less soup until finally one remains. And I picked a five of spades. Not the spades again. You said you were going to not do it again. Don't make me go back there. How the fuck have we gotten so many spades? Don't make me go back there. And that's what, that's what Adrian, sorry. That's what Lucky Charm is thinking. But one can only live on Grandma's soup for so long because as all things do, Grandma's soup eventually runs out. So you're back at the food court. You don't like being here. This is terrible. In fact, you see briefly one of the kings of the food court being like carried like a freaking Caesar. And you just can't stand it. How are you feeling? Oh, Adrian's like pulled his beady a little further over his ears and his forehead. He knows it looks embarrassing, but he's like popped the collar of his jacket up to hopefully make it so that people will be less likely to recognize his face because he's he's waiting for more dirty looks. He's he's so done with this, but Grandma's soup is almost out, and like that last bowl, he's got to savor it, right? So he's gonna save it for once he gets back in consolation. So he is looking forward to Grandma's soup. Daddy, 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 Daddy! You hear the high pitched voices of two little kids, and one is like, "Daddy, Daddy, I want I want to go to the I want to go to the pizza place." And the other one is like, Daddy, Daddy, no, I want to go to Calzoon Castle. And this man is like, Dears, it's the same fundamental food. No, no, I hate, I hate open air cheese. Oh, I hate cheese that's hidden. It's like it has secrets to hide. And eventually, after a bit of berating, the man just like, fine, fine. Here, you 
And he hands a $5 bill to one of the kids and says, you go to pizza place and you, and he hands another $5 bill to the other child. You go to the Calzoon Castle and we'll meet back here in five minutes. Okay, thank you, daddy. Love you. Love you too. And as they run away, he just kind of takes a moment to breathe to himself and says, well, I'm glad they have something to eat. And then he opens up his wallet, which you can see without the five dollars he gave away now only has two dimes and a quarter. And he just says, what do you get for yourself now, though, Darren? How old are these children? They're kids. They're actual kids. It's like safe. They're going off, right? They're like 10 year olds. You okay. Know. Time for some mortal peril. Now choose Spider-Man. Which child will we you save? We have an agreement. That means Darren must die instead. <laughs> oh, okay. So Adrian is going to attempt a little bit of sleight of hand. Okay. He's got some cash on him and he's going to try to like hide it in his hand. And then walking up kind of next to the man, he's going to conspicuously bend over and make it look like he's picking up the money off the ground and then turn to Darren. Hey, um, there was some money on the ground. Do you want this? I mean, I, I, I can't find anyone who seems to have dropped it. And Darren's going to look over you and go, huh? Yeah, I just, it was on the ground and I figured, I mean, I had already had my budget. So, you know, this was not in his budget. <laughs> and I'd like to cut to the villain now, Tom, if that's all right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So at this moment... One of the kids comes running back, crying. Oh, daddy, daddy. Oh, what's wrong, sweetie? Calzoon Castle. No one's letting us in. We can't get any food there. There's a mean lady. And then you hear a crunch of a footstep with far more power than its size would imply as Bewitch Eternal steps around like the food corner bend, but glowing with an aura of energy that you have not seen before. There is an unnatural light in her eyes. And with this power flowing around her, she says, there's only one thing I hate more than being called a kid. And that's being called a kid by a kid. No Calzoons today, everyone. And you, lucky charm, I've been looking for you. Oh! No one lectures me in public. So I thought I'd show off what a prodigious adult I really am. And at that moment, she raises her hands, floats into the air a bit, and dark spikes begin shooting up from the ground all around you. Now, Emily, I want you to note you can always use a point of inspiration to add another die to the roll before Tom rolls. Okay, well, I'm going to cash it in because I feel like losing someone here when there are dark spikes is a little bigger than losing someone whose food you dropped. Orphans! Orphans! I'm adding my inspiration! There will be no orphans today! So that's two dice, Tom. Yeah, it's two dice. Thomas. You chose so well. One of the dice was a one. The other, unfortunately, is a six. (laughs) Meaning you push past your limits and become greater than yourself. How do you inspire people? You recover injury and gain a point of inspiration. So yeah, describe. How do you battle against the Witch Eternal and save everyone here in this part of the food court? So these are literal dark spikes surrounding me, correct? Yep, yep. She is like conjuring up magical spikes from the floor. Well, Adrian sticks his 
hand out from between two spikes to Darren. Please take this money and also just buy a piece of pizza and fold it over. And then he'll turn back to the Witch Eternal. It's funny you say that you've been looking for me because I have been not really actively, but a little bit avoiding you. I see you've got some new powers. Um, I don't, but you know, I think I'll be fine. Oh, gonna wipe that smirk off your face. I'm not smirking, it was a general smile. Don't interrupt my monologue. And she comes at you again, focusing these spikes upon you. How do you deal with this? I'm gonna say that they hadn't finished removing the out-of-order machinery yet. The pay machine, that is. It was a process. There was a lot of construction going on. And this new set of spikes shakes the ground a little bit. It had already hit once and some of the machine parts had kind of started to shake a little bit. But this next hit is enough to topple the remnants of the pay machine that Adrian had broken earlier. And it comes crashing down and he is able to clamber up over the machine to safety outside of the spikes. And to add just a little extra insult, it's a really clumsy scramble. It's not even cool looking, but he still escaped these spikes relatively easily. Are you kidding me? Come back and fight me. Why are you even doing this? Just hold still and die. I don't want to hurt you. You seem like you just have a lot of feelings and I'm not really sure how to combat this physically. I don't have any feelings. (laughs) I think maybe we could really talk this out as he like is avoiding spikes and like trying to get closer. So you you avoid her like Stumbling and tumbling circles around her until at last she stops, as do the spikes. And she holds a hand to one eye and says, "No, no, no, no! Wait, I, I just need a little more time. I'm, I'm, I'm hemming him in. Like it, it's all part of the plan. No, no, no! Please, no, please!" And with that, the light fades away. She slumps down, powerless and defeated. Now, Daddy, Daddy, this is perfect. None of that pesky air is getting at my cheese, but I can still see it. So it's not sneaky anymore. You see that Darren is walking with his two kids who have each taken their pizza and folded it over. And he walks up and hands your money back and says, hey, uh, thanks for the money. I actually found a fiver over there on the ground, though. So I got my own Calzoon pizza. Calzitsa? We're working on the name. Anyways, thank you so much. And as he walks away, he looks at where the wreckage of that machine was that Truce was working on. And he remembers something for a second. He turns around and goes, hey, wait, are you the... No. No. Must have been some other guy. And I think we're actually going to end there. So that was a small, small, small sampler of anyone can wear the mask. Like, I cut the deck in half for this game, and we're literally a fifth through the deck. We have one-fifth of the deck left, and this is a half deck. So many mechanics that we have not gotten to explore yet. (laughs) So much fun stuff, like uh, the king, the king of them all, who I mentioned, 
that actually could be, depending on what we pull, a character. We could learn about Nana. She was a setup because there are certain ones you pull where you go to like a place you grew up or, or a nice warm place from home. There's a lot of really fun stuff in this game. And it definitely doesn't have to go as slowly as we went. You can go either very high level and, you know, really discuss just the questions. The game is great at prompting you with questions and ideas, or you can do what we do and uh, play everything out and really dig into the scenes. <laughs> play th- every single action out with painstaking slowness. This two to four hour game became a, a weekly mini campaign, I guess. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to keep this in or not. Because we had some discussion about when we got to this point, I was like, all right, we're this far in the recording. I want to keep doing this justice, but also I cannot release a six hour long episode. Uh, (laughs) So we've decided that we're going to call it now. This will be your sampler. If you were intrigued or enjoyed this, you can go to jeffstormer.itch.io slash mask. Or, you know, instead of remembering all of that, you can click the link below to check out anyone can wear the mask. We have been having a blast. Yeah. I love Mall Town. I love Adrian. I love our children. I love the Witch Eternal. The Witch Eternal is great. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing I really like is that you've set up like a single episode villain to preface for a bigger villain. Yeah, no one's even met the true villain. Yeah, and we but we ended on like the first episode with the defeat of the first villain. So it feels like the first episode of, of a series. This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. I'm excited to play this weekly with you two. Yeah, before we sign off, any other thoughts from anybody? I was really nervous at first because I thought it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be super complicated and like, I'm nervous with new systems, but I ended up really having a blast and I liked how versatile it was for whatever kind of players and group you have yeah absolutely i really like that balances roles too like in this one i really took on i did take on more of a gm role but that was also because i wanted to direct it for the sake of an audience listening normally it would not have one player having that much you know dominance over over the play i think it balances things out really well and balances out who needs to control what like i've got all the cards here so you don't have to worry about them (laughs) and like i roll all the dice it's it's a game that might seem at first glance to be very complicated and have a lot of moving parts, but it, it is very elegant in how simple everything is in, in action and how it divvies all that up. And splitting up the narration and who tracks what, it, it works really well. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy this. Yeah, and it's yeah. you can play it as just a villain, as a single player, as a two-player mode. I was doing that because I was checking out the rule book, which is only 13 pages. So, like, a lot of this game involves rolling something, going to the table of contents, reading the scene, which all the rules are in a single page for that scene. And yeah, it's it's really short, really easy to get through and read, but it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Good job. <laughs> good job. Uh, gets a gets a, a star with a happy face from Emily. That would be great, though. I would do that. We 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 rate this game one bowl of grandma's soup. Sorry, the last precious bowl of grandma's soup out of 10. There we go. Brilliant. So yeah, if you listen to Quest Friends or have just listened to this the first time to try out the show and you like what you've heard, absolutely check out the link below. Meanwhile, if you are new to Quest Friends and you liked the players playing today, you can find us and two other players every other Monday at questfriendspodcast.com or on whatever feed you're listening to this to right now because... 
This is our podcast feed. Quest Friends is a Numenera podcast. It's a sci-fi podcast set one billion years in the future. It stars a group of characters all as silly and charming and delightful as these ones. We've got a kazoo bard android who loves hanging out with their balls of ants. We've got a good wizard boy. We've got a grandma with wolverine claws who's like, she's going to mess you up, but also she's got a real pure heart. She's a good lady. And then we've got a cowboy accountant who is (laughs) not a cowboy and not an accountant, (laughs) but he's a good lad. And of course, we've got all sorts of fun world building. We've got Disneyland, Las Vegas. We've got the airship Titanic, but it's also prom, but it's also a dating sim. And we also have Calzones, which I renamed to Calzoons using the brilliant method of taking one vowel and replacing it with another. And I'm putting that here to explain why I use the word Calzoons, because we've used it so much. I genuinely thought that was the word for Calzone. See, if you enjoyed the world building of Mall Town, <laughs> that is a very good microcosm of what you will see in Mainline Quest Friends. I love Mall Town. I love Mall Town. Mall Town is so good. Stop right. trying to destroy it then. <laughs> oh, not destroy. Never destroy. <laughs> Improve. <laughs> Rebuild. All right, we're near the end of our series, so there's nothing to wait on. You can get caught up the whole way right now, and you can find recommended first episodes at questfriendspodcast.com slash about. But I can't not end on a cliffhanger. So we look back at Mall Town. We watch as Darren and his kids go and sit next to the still cluttered, uncleaned ruins of that one robot pay machine thing. Happily just eating their little pizza calzoons, their pizza zoons, their cal pizza. As I said, they're still working on a name. One of the kids is actually sitting there. He's pointing around some broccoli that he has and he's making a little drawing. And Darren's like, come on, don't, don't play with your food. And he's like, I'm not playing with my food. I'm making art. And we look at that little broccoli drawing and we see it turn into, which is of a pig. And we see a similar, but much more ornate pig drawing being made by Ignatz. And they're just happily making this little life art drawing. But the door knocks and they turn and gasp in excitement. And we just see held in these hands and with a little bit of blue hair hanging down, this little wooden figurine with a bow on it. And as Ignatz gets up to hug Hilda, we move to a different hug. This one of a con man and his father just tearing up, like patting each other on the back, finally having talked to each other in years, with Hank finally being willing to go home to Lot C and, and, and see his father again. And as the two go to sit down, the camera shifts one last time to not two men sitting, but one as Adrian sits down and picks up his last bowl of grandma's soup. I feel like I should feel worse about breaking that thing again. Cause like I'm a hero, right? I'm a hero now, but it, it breaks people's kneecaps. So I should not like it. Cause I'm a hero, right? I'm a lucky charm. I'm lucky charm. Welcome to Mall Town. I am your hero, Lucky Charm. He's practicing. 
And then things shift again one last time. We're in a dark room, lit only by a single skylight in the ceiling far, far above. Shadows lurk everywhere, but in the gloom, we can see a handful of cages filled with birds, an aviary of sorts. All kinds, crows, ravens, magpies, little robins, uh, red-winged blackbirds, all chirping around. And then we focus in on this one parrot. Quack! Greetings! I am the raptor! Squawk! I can give you what you desire, if only you would. Squawk! And then the cage opens and a shadowy hand reaches for the parrot. I need you to put like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man theme. That's over the this. plan is to do like the digga 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 digga. I feel lucky and sometimes I really am. <laughs> I can't wait for all the comments on this episode. Emily, if someone is holding a gun to your head, blink <laughs> twice. <laughs> I I guess I'm breaking the children in mortal peril, but I don't feel like mortal peril is going to befall the witch eternal. Unless Emily gets very violent in the upcoming moments. Ideally, no. I pull um, out my Glock. My lucky Glock. <laughs> pull out the revolver. Do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> my superpower is Russian roulette on you. Five of the six barrels are loaded. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, there are no guns. Anyways, Nagy, what are you going to tell them? No guns in the mall. This is a gun-free zone. For now. <laughs> no, for always. We're going to ruin this game. <laughs> this game. This is either Jeff is going to turn around and be like, I love this. This is perfect. Or he'll be like, what the hell did you do to my beautiful game? Jeff's like, <laughs> I wanted to really make this incredible game about the serious emotions and like the journey of a hero. Like. All of the interactions they had, the people they lost and made connections with. And we're over here referencing <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog in Mall Town, referencing Fire Emblem Three Houses and Phoenix Wright. Hilda! 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 She may or may not do the carvings with a giant... An axe? A giant axe. Like ice sculptures with a chainsaw. It's a gun-free zone, not an axe-free zone. <laughs> For now.